and welcome to episode number 61 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about millennials and conflict. It was something that John C. Dvorak mentioned on the latest No Agenda show. And if you're not listening to No Agenda, you should be. Noagendashow.com. He mentioned that if you really wanted to have fun with millennials to try to get them into any kind of conflict, he mentioned something about cutting in front of them in line or something like that. And the fact that they just have no concept of how to handle conflict. And I wondered if that was really true and if this is a big thing. So I did what you usually do with this kind of stuff. You want to look for research, did a search engine query, and came up with a lot of interesting stuff that has been published over the last few years. And it turns out that, yes, millennials seem to have a real problem when it comes to conflict and maybe this could be helpful for everybody that's heading off this week thanksgiving week to interact with some family members maybe you have some millennials you're going to run into so you want to know either how to trigger them or how not to trigger them whichever is more fun for you the first article i came across when doing this research was from the chicago tribune from 2012 our hometown newspaper Nothing more than a liberal rag now, but hey, I digress, which had an article that was talking about this issue, how millennials have a real problem, especially in the workforce, and they were talking to and interviewing a corporate psychologist about just the kind of things that she's run into with companies now that millennials are really becoming a part of the workforce and what kind of conflicts that they've run into what kind of situations have arisen how they've been able to take care of them or in some cases not so this corporate psychologist went out and was interviewing people including millennials about their experience and she told a story that one of the millennials told her that the boss had yelled at him she asked whether the boss had raised his voice And the millennial said, no. She asked whether the boss had used profanity. The millennial said, no. So the corporate psychologist says to the millennial, explain to me what yelling at you means. And the young man replied, well, he was really firm and he disagreed with me. (laughs) That's what he took as being yelled at by his boss. No raising of the voice, no profanity. It was because the boss was firm and disagreed with him. He took that as being yelled at. And you wonder why we have problems in our society right now. And you wonder why I'm a nut when it comes to words being used wrong. Because this idiot millennial, and I'm sorry, he is an idiot, look that one up, thought that being yelled at meant. When somebody is firm and disagrees with you. No, sorry, that's not being yelled at. The corporate psychologist had a great line because she said, Oh boy, if having someone disagree with you is akin to yelling, your work life is going to be deafening. 
as is the rest of your life. There's no doubt about it. And this reminded me of the story that I've talked about both here on Random Thoughts and I believe over at Grumpy Old Ben's on an episode or two of the girl that was working in an open space where a bunch of companies work together and her boss came over and she started going nuts and she started crying and she called her mom and she was just in tears because the boss had calmly and politely corrected her spelling of the word hamster, telling her it didn't have a P in it. And she cried that that's how she was taught and that's what she was going to do. So how dare you tell her she wasn't right? And these things would be funny if it wasn't for the fact that you have to deal with this kind of idiocy on a daily basis. And you have to wonder how our society is going to continue to move forward when you have these little snowflakes that have been brought up to believe that everybody gets a trophy and everybody can do whatever they want. And it doesn't matter as long as you think it's right. It's right. It's going to start causing some major problems. There's no doubt about it. A big part of this is due to technology, as I thought, and a Forbes article in 2017 kind of proves that going down that same rabbit hole saying that the millennials have gotten so good at communicating through screens and they haven't focused on honing their face-to-face communication skills and they're much more likely to rely on their devices to escape social interactions that they'd rather bury their heads in a screen than confront uncomfortable situations. This is not a good thing. Life does not happen on your computer screens. Sorry, kids. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to harsh or mellow. I didn't mean to ruin your worldview, but life happens outside of your phones. Every now and then, you should probably look up and actually verbalize and speak to the human resource that's standing next to you. You'll probably get a lot further in life if you will. The Forbes article. Much like John C. Dvorak's comment says, most people do not enjoy confrontational encounters, but millennials will do just about anything to avoid them. As a generation, they are not conflict seekers and they approach difficult discussions in the workplace skirmishly. Well, again, we have a world where everything you do on a daily basis is a competition. Driving to work, that's a competition. Getting on the bus when there's only one seat left, maybe, that's a competition. Getting that promotion, that's a competition. Dating the person you want to date, that's a competition. Conflict is a part of the human condition. There's no way to take that out of the equation. And by having a whole generation of these kids grow up without the ability to handle conflict is not doing them any favors. They're being brought up to fail because they don't have the ability to handle conflict and to handle confrontation in their daily life. An article I also found was from the Daily Illini, the Illinois paper for the university here, that back in 2006 that had a freshman at the time, so an 18, 19 year old girl that was writing about these same kind of things. And in her article, I found the wisdom which said, when you allow someone who is not a person of color to wrap along to the N-word, you become part of the problem. What ignoring these small slip-ups does is conserve a society that is systematically racist, sexist, and homophobic. Mm, No, 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 it does not. I hate to break it to you. 
but using a word does not make somebody racist. That just isn't the way the world works. Intent and your viewpoints can make you racist. We talked about this in a previous episode of this podcast when a rapper pulled a white girl up on stage and she sang along to his song, daring to say the N-word. And people went nuts, and I didn't get it, because it's a white girl at a concert for rap, and she knows the lyrics, so obviously she's not using the term in a racist way. But this girl that wrote this article, the takeaway from this was a couple of things. One, she believes that the world she's grown up in is systematically racist, sexist, and homophobic, which I never saw that. It wasn't that way when I was growing up. And I never see that now. Are there people that are racist, sexist, or homophobic? Sure. But saying there's a systematic problem with that in the country, I don't really see that. But programming these kids to believe that. And her whole article was how you should be telling your friends and how you're a part of the problem. If if they do something or say something bad, if you don't yell at them, which I don't understand, you can't yell at them because they're afraid of confrontation. So I guess they maybe just have to passively, aggressively text them a frowny face. I don't know. What, what are these people that are afraid of conflict going to do when they say you should tell your friends what they're doing wrong? And really, I think everybody wants friends that just sit around and go, no, no, you shouldn't say that. No, you shouldn't say that. Worry about yourself. And if you don't like what the other people are saying, how about this? Don't hang out with them but after a whole article talking about how you should be calling people out you should be so brave and calling people out on things and my favorite was she mentioned that she didn't say what she did but she did something that offended a bunch of her friends and she later realized just how bad and how wrong she was i would like to know exactly what happened at that point but she doesn't think that that detail was important but after a whole article explaining why you should be your friend's woke police, telling them what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. She says, constructing your own educated views and staying open-minded is an integral part of the college experience. We are all problematic to some extent, but we can work towards eliminating popular issues by speaking up. I'm sorry, but the college experience today is not about constructing your own educated views. It's about repeating somebody else's views. And if you don't fall into line, you're bad. You know, just like Trump, orange man, bad. Oh, you voted for Trump. You're an evil ass. Yeah, this is, this is the college that is about constructing your own educated views and staying open-minded, you know, unless they disagree with us, because now being a religious person means, of course, you're hate-filled. Saying that you don't believe in homosexuality is now hate speech. Calling somebody an illegal immigrant in the city of New York is now hate speech. These things aren't going to go very well, but I get why these people are calling for it because these millennials have no idea how to have a debate, how to have a conversation with somebody when they find them out in the wild and they don't know how to respond. This is the other problem with the screens. It's that people can sit around and go, oh, wait, somebody said something bad. We can jump on a mentality of the mob and everybody can pile on them. And we don't have to have anything to back up what we're saying. We don't even have to have any proof. 
we have enough people say it with us. Well, then you damn well better take us seriously. And this inability to handle the real world is going to hurt the millennials in their work life. It is going to hurt the millennials in their personal life. In an article in the Washington Examiner, they talk about why marriage is dying because of the millennials viewpoint on relationships, saying millennials think about dating with a very casual attitude, tending to avoid any kind of confrontation or conflict in a relationship and considering only what is comfortable or convenient for them as an individual. Think about that. If you lived your life only engaging in things, only dealing with people that were comfortable or convenient for you, where would you be right now? And how many people would you actually interact with on a daily basis if you had to use that bar? That they had to be nearly always, or maybe with some of these millennials, literally always acting in a way that was comfortable or convenient for you to keep them on as a friend or moving up the chain as a partner. I know this digital age and constant being connected to the internet has changed a lot of the way people interact, but I've also kind of found it weird, and this is something with the millennials as well that a lot of them will consider themselves dating somebody even though they may have never met them in person. Now, chatting online while playing a video game or maybe doing a Skype chat or maybe just texting back and forth or being friends on Instagram and messaging each other is considered dating. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, kids. You're missing out again on this whole interactive thing called life where you're supposed to actually stop looking at your screen and communicate with somebody in a way that doesn't involve your thumbs on a keyboard. But it makes sense then why marriage and even serious relationships are a thing that are coming to an end because, again, if you have to be comfortable and convenient at all times, that is just not going to happen in the real world. And how does this actually affect the rest of us? Well, I've seen a bunch of videos over the last few years, and you probably have too, or you've been a part of something like this in person. I remember one of them where a guy with a MAGA hat dare walked into a vape store, and the guy working there absolutely lost his shit, yelling at the guy, screaming, telling him to get out. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem reasonable but then i remembered some of these people actually had protests where they walked out into the streets of new york and just screamed into the sky like this is going to make something change like this is going to evolve somebody's opinion of something no it's wacky it's crazy and it's a complete utter waste of time and it shows that you have nothing backing your opinions you have no way to actually verbalize no way to actually explain what it is you feel because all you can do is just scream at the sky. And this guy that yelled at the MAGA hat wearing guy in a vape store who eventually got fired because, you know, that's kind of bad for business when you yell at the customers to get out because they would dare wear a MAGA hat. These millennials, they're not prepared for real life. There was another video I saw of a preacher standing in a square 
on a college campus somewhere, simply holding up a sign that said, if I remember right, that homosexuality was wrong and one guy walking by, much like the guy in the vape store, absolutely lost his shit. He started screaming at the guy that he was a hate-filled whatever, and he should get out, get out. Of course, tried to grab the signs, yelled, get out, get out, get out, leave me alone. I don't want to hear this. And it was kind of sad to watch. And I started understanding more and more exactly why people are having this reaction, because it is such a fear of having that conversation, especially in real life not on a screen where you could have all your buddies get behind you on Twitter and go, this guy had this sign, let's blast him. When you're face to face with somebody, it's a lot different, especially if they're going to dare to ask you like, well, why do you feel this way? I don't hate you. I just, this is my opinion. Why do you think my opinion is hate filled? I thought everybody's supposed to be able to have their own opinions and we should be free to verbalize them. Rob Schneider, I mean, comedian. I mean, some people like him. Some people may not think he's a comedian, but even he was on Twitter the other day ranting that we are really going down that slippery slope to hell by trying to silence voices. The people that try to silence voices, as I've said in the past, are usually the ones that really have something to hide. And I'm with Rob Schneider that I think everybody should be allowed to say whatever they want. And then everybody else can decide whether or not they're right or wrong. But all of this stuff kind of makes me understand why this new generation, why the millennials hate Donald Trump. He is a decisive guy. And that's something the millennials are not. They're not decisive. Most really do fall into the sheep category. Donald Trump is bold. Again, this is something the millennials don't want. Everybody should be quiet. Everybody, we can't even clap. We should just do jazz hands because that might trigger somebody. Donald Trump is bold and they don't like that. Donald Trump is politically incorrect and they don't like that. And not only that, they don't know how to deal with that when they run across it. Because it turns out that just yelling into the ether doesn't actually accomplish anything. And parents, what the hell is the matter with you that you've let a whole generation grow up that is unable to handle conflict? I think a lot of it really does go down political lines. And I think people that have been that grow up in a conservative household that are not espoused with the liberal insanity over and over and over again are the ones that are growing up to be successful. They're the ones that are able to go into the workforce and have a job. I have a nephew that has always been way much more on the right side of things, and I applauded him for going all the way through college, being brave enough not to be the guy that falls along, doesn't say anything, doesn't want to be a bad person by having conflict with your fellow classmates. No, he called him out on it, and I'm sure a lot of people thought he was an asshole. But this is why there are some of these guys like Ben Shapiro who are really successful out there because they are not afraid to say something that is going to upset the millennials. And my nephew has a good job, doing good, getting married next year, actually has a long-term relationship and understands, unlike some of these people we've been talking about here today, 
that not everything is peaches and cream, you're going to have problems. But like all things in life, the good things usually take a little bit of work. They take a little bit of effort. And if you're going to give up at the first sign of something going the way you don't like, you're probably going to miss out on a whole lot of good things. I really do worry about what's going to happen if more and more of the Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez types get into office because we're going to have a government. I mean, even growing up in the 70s and 80s, I mean, I heard the complaints that government was useless and it was inefficient, and it was. But with these people, it's getting much, much worse. Nothing gets done. We have an impeachment going on with absolutely no evidence. We have people that are basing everything on emotion and hearsay, and that's not the way the country is supposed to run. I'm afraid when all of these types of millennials, if they get into office, the country will be Venezuela before we can blink an eye. So you need to take this seriously, folks. Get out and vote when all these elections come up, whether they're the big ones every four years or your local elections. Take part in your local communities and try to cut some of this stuff off and teach a millennial that maybe a little conflict isn't a bad thing. The thing that's kind of funny is that so many of these millennials are so afraid of conflict and they have this mentality that everybody should win. Everybody gets a trophy, but the end result comes down to nobody's going to get a trophy and nobody is going to win. The concept of a lot of this stuff is coming to light with Taylor Swift this week. We've mentioned Taylor a few times on the podcast, a big fan of Taylor's music. I've been watching what's been going on between her and her ex record label and things as always are not completely black and white. The first thing that I know when it comes to the Taylor Swift controversy is that she decided to leave Big Machine Records on her own and go to Universal Records, which she traded one boss for another, which I don't get because she's big enough. I don't know what she needed Universal Records for. If she would have gone off on her own, I would have kind of understood this a little bit more. But she basically traded Big Machine in, left them, went to Universal Music, both big fairly record labels. Now, she's the one that broke up with Big Machine. And then they went along and did something horrible. And the guy that owned the company dared to sell part of the company, it seems, or all of the company to somebody else that Taylor Swift doesn't like and calls a bully. Even though I've never really seen any actual evidence of this, the Scooter Braun, who has come out and finally said, we need to kind of call this down because his office and family are getting death threats because this is what millennials do when somebody like taylor swift comes out and says i'm being wronged yeah the uh, death threats immediately come because that's you know that's the just the very very sane thing to happen at that point of course we want death threats that's the uh, that's the end result here and taylor swift during her performance last night at the amas was taking on the man She's talked before and tweeted about the men that own her catalog, the men who had nothing to do with writing the songs. And to that, I also have to call bullshit because the guys you're talking about, 
Scott Borchetta specifically was the guy that gave you your break. And he's the one that has been in your corner for years and years and years and helped make you the success that you are. You left his company and he sold off his uh, assets to somebody else. And he's the bad guy. Yeah, I, I see that. That really makes a whole lot of sense. And the end result here is a lot of things, a lot of memes coming out like women backing women. And I have to call bullshit on that stuff. There's nothing wrong with women backing women, but there's nothing about the gender. How dare they gender Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun that has anything to do with the fact that they own her masters of her early albums. It was a business deal. For goodness sake, Michael Jackson owned the masters of the Beatles and he bought them when he was friends with Paul McCartney and working with them. And a lot of people thought that was kind of a backhanded thing. And Paul was just like, well, that was genius, man. That was a great business move. And that's what happened here with Taylor Swift. The music business works in this way. And to point out that the people that own this are men and that's somehow bad, I'd like to ask Taylor Swift. If this were women that owned your catalog and were treating you the same way, would it be because they're women? We need to stop this bullshit like, oh, men are bad or white guys are bad or whatever. It's bullshit. We have all women that are just backing women. That's good. Men backing men. Oh, my God, that's the patriarchy. We have to get rid of that. You know, this whole women's day. That's good. Men's day. Bad. You know, Black Lives Matter, which I'm all for. If somebody would have a White Lives Matter, we go crazy. We have the Gay Pride Parade, and that's awesome. But you try to have a straight Pride Parade, and you're a bunch of assholes. I don't know. That doesn't seem like you're all really into the diversity and the openness of thought and ideas that you're putting out there. Maybe you are, and I'm missing something. Feel free to let me know where. And just as an aside, the Universal Music Group is run by a guy, chairman and chief executive officer, 59-year-old Jewish guy. So, Taylor, women for women, how come you didn't go to a label that was run by a woman? Why didn't you start your own? Mm, good question, huh? If anybody has an answer to that one, feel free to let me know. Hypocrisy is not something that's new these days. No doubt about it. Millennials have hypocrisy down flat they don't like conflict but they're okay with hypocrisy and i hope that you've been enjoying these episodes of the random thoughts podcast we are coming up on thanksgiving so it's a perfect time to thank everybody that has been listening and supporting the show it's come a long way in the last year with a lot of thanks going to mark von dyke void zero of the no agenda stream and Sir Ryan Bemrose, who we have finally gotten out of his shell and gotten him on a podcast as well that we do called Grumpy Old Benz. But getting us on the No Agenda stream has done more for this show than anything before has opened up to a whole new audience. And I appreciate everybody that's been coming along for the ride. And we also have to thank Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, the hosts, of course, of the No Agenda show for helping to cultivate a community that really does have everybody else's back. A lot of content creators in one way, shape, or form that seem to be the biggest fans of each other. And it all works out really, really well. We do work on the value for value model, and we'd like to thank Jay Finley, Keith Von Dyke, and Sir Candinavian as our top guys this year. We appreciate your support. 
And we also appreciate everybody that listens to the show. Our buddy Ned K. Lee out in Australia. Uh, Craig of Getting Cooked with Craig on YouTube. Of course, our buddy Larry Blydner of That Larry Show, who also just joined us on a grumpy old Ben's the other day, which was a whole lot of fun. Check that out. Thanks to my buddy Lonnie, who works with my wife and listens to my shows way more than she does, which is nearly never. And I appreciate that because she does get the 24-7 live feed. And I appreciate everybody that's been listening and supporting the show in any way, shape, or form. If you want to subscribe, just go on over to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com, and click one of the subscribe buttons, Apple, Android, via email, however you want to get the show. We'll find a way for you to get it. And if you want to donate, same address, click the little donate button, one-time subscription, whatever you want to do. No amount is too big. No amount is too small. Any support is greatly appreciated to help us keep the lights on, the microphones humming and the mp3s sounding good if you want to reach out to us you can do so via email at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com you can follow the show on twitter at random podcast r-a-n-d-u-m-b podcast or my personal twitter account at darren o'neill d-a-r-r-e-n-o-n-e-i-l-l i hope you all have a great thanksgiving with family and friends and if there's only one last piece of cheesecake or one last drumstick left and you really want it and a millennial's going for it just push them out of the way they're not going to say anything anyway i am darren o'neill thanks for listening